And uh, so when I'm not here, that's what I'm doing. No, not really. Yes, really. Um, they're big, aren't they? Really big. Yeah, like 1,600 pounds. And that bull you saw, he's 3,000 pounds, right at 3,000. I try not. I try to give him a wide berth. I'm really glad he can't move real fast. But those are our mamas, all except for the bull. And uh, so I'm going to show you some of our babies because guess what? We had babies and like all parents, we want to show pictures of our babies, right? So first one we're going to see is uh, uh, this is 82, 83. This is Juno's calf. She doesn't have a name yet. Juno was our Houston Livestock Show winner. She makes a really pretty calf. Um, the next one is 8429, and 8429 is the second child born, second calf born to our heifer, and he's a, he's a really, she did really good. He's a great looking calf. And then our next one is 8629, and she is our newest. She was two hours old in this picture, so on her feet already. Um, her mama, 6229, you've heard me talk about her. She was our meanest calf um, until she got bit by a snake. And, but now she's back to being kind of a mean cow, or big mean cow now. And, um, so Greg had quite the time wrangling that calf by himself away from its mom. She's our biggest mom and had the smallest calf. That little baby weighed 53 pounds at birth. <laughs> so our next one is 8909, and 89.09, uh, this was our first calf of the season, this, this, this fall cat herding, and uh, 9.09, her mama, she thinks I'm part of the herd, and she thinks as part of the herd, because I'm, I'm a female in the herd, that I have to take my, time, my turn babysitting. So, you know, one person has, one cow has to watch all the babies for everybody while they go out and eat. And for some reason, she wants me to do that. So, 909 has a special place in my heart, um, and so will her calf. And she, she threw a really beautiful heifer this time. And then the next one is 8922. And 8922 is a real, another little petite um, cow. He's a, he's a boy. Um, and his claim to fame is his mom, 9292, was born to our swimming cow. We have a cow who will not cross our dam. She has to get to the other side. She swims. So everybody else, it's freezing cold, walks across the dam except her. She, she walks, she swims through the water. Um, and she also is a really incredible icebreaker when 
she's swimming, and we have a layer of ice on the, on the uh, river. She just breaks it with her chest. It's amazing to see. But this one is so cute that I wanted to see one more picture of her. And sometimes she tells me, that's what I think of that. You know, it's really fun when we get new babies. They're new creations. They're things that God wove together in their mother's wombs, with or without the help of uh, our resident bull, our temporary resident. And he also does the same thing to us, makes us new creations. In, in John 3, um, Nicodemus said, was talking to God about, he came in the secret of night, wanted to know what, what was this thing that he was doing and born again and becoming a new creation. And, and Jesus said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus was like, what? I am an old man. How am I going to be born again? I can't go back into my mother's womb. So I'm not really understanding what you're trying to tell me. And, and Jesus said to him again in 3.5, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Last week, Pastor, or a few weeks back, just before Pastor Allen left for his awesome vacation in Zimbabwe, the last message he preached to us was on faithfulness. Um, and he talked to us about how there was something he said in there about the church being the funnel, the bridge, the funnel that from the wide path that leads to destruction to the narrow gate that leads to life. Well, I didn't get the funnel vision. So I, because what I saw were cattle pens. That's where I saw us all, and we're in the cattle pens. Can we see that picture? Okay. So these are the cattle pens. This area, we're devastated in drought right now, so this picture just is horrible. Um, conditions, we, we've been praying for rain, and we hope it comes. But we, I saw cattle pens. And Pastor Allen went on to say that the church is God's processing plant from the broad way that leads to destruction to the narrow way that leads to life, eternal life. And if you look at this, there's like little pens all set up. There's gates between them. And when we move these cows, these really big cows, we try to take um, about four of them in each pen at a time. And usually I'm the one that's in the pens with the cows. So I have four, four cows with me, that's 6,000 pounds of beef, and me. I'm not going to tell you how much I weigh, but it's less than 6,000 pounds. <laughs> and I am trying to move them through these pens, through that narrow walkway on your left, into that, in this picture, kind of looks white, but off on your left, it's looks like a little rectangle. That's, the, that's where we're trying to get them. It's a chute that we put them in. We catch their little heads in the big heads in the gate. And then we squeeze them so we can work on them. Sometimes they get shot. Sometimes they get fly medicine. Sometimes they get a new ear tag. And sometimes other things are done to them we won't go into. But that's the process. And when Pastor Ellen talked about 
it all begins with Jesus, and we're repentant, and that the church is this funnel, and we're all gathered together. I saw us in these pens being funneled through the narrow gate, and sometimes we get squeezed, and we don't really like it. But that's part of what our walk is with Christ, being brought from the wide road that leads to destruction up to that narrow gate. And we're all in different places in those pens. That was my vision. I saw us all in there, and we're all in different places. And sometimes we move backwards before we can go forward. And where you are is not where I am. And where I am, you might have already been. Do you understand me? We're all in different places. And God deals with each one of us where we are right now. So the thing that bugs you about me, he might have dealt with you a long time ago on, but he's just now dealing with me. Yeah? And what he's dealing with you on right now, I might have gone through that last month. There are two things that we have to recognize about this sanctification process. That's what it's called, being made into the image of God, going from who we were, the, the old person, being recreated to be in the image of God. And there are two things that I want you to remember. The first one is it's a lifelong process. When you arrive, you're dead. Okay? So as long as you're in process, you have life. And you, have, and you have something you can do here, right? Right? Okay, because once you're dead, you're on the other side. God doesn't need your help. He's got that worked out. He needs you here, right where you are. Come as you are, right? Don't we tell people, come as you are? Yeah, and guess what? God can use that person who came as they were. He can use me. He can use you. One of the things that I want, the second thing I want you to remember about the process of sanctification is that the people next to us, your partner, the people behind you, and the people in front of you, and the people to each side of you are all in process too. Have you ever heard anyone say, well, I thought she was a Christian? Has anyone ever heard that? Oh, I thought she was a Christian. I saw her last week. Quit talking about me. <laughs> you know what? We're all in process. And we have to allow each other the grace and the mercy. Do you hear me? Allow each other the grace and the mercy to be recreated by God. Amen. Give me some, give me, you know, give me a little space here where I can be recreated by God to be more like you. No, I mean more like him, right? More like him. So we're all in that process, and we all get there in a different, in a different timing. Our cows all got pregnant at the same time except for one, and I won't tell you how that happened, but it didn't involve the bull, okay? But they had their babies in their own timing. Their creations were brought forth in their own timing. They didn't all come on the same day. We are the same way. 
We're in this place of sanctification. We're in our walk of sanctification, being made to look like, to look like God, to look like Jesus, and to be a reflection of him. And while we're headed there on this walk towards the narrow gate, God is going to deal with each one of us in different ways with different things. And not the same as your neighbor at the same time. So give give me a little give me a little grace. Okay? Sanctification is relational. We have to have a relationship to become the image of someone else. To exhibit his characteristics and his qualities, we have to have relationship. Last week, Pastor Ellen spoke on, on how close are you to Jesus? As close as you want to be, right? Do you want to be closer? It's relational. You're not going to get it sitting here on Sunday mornings. You're going to get it with a life of devotion, a life filled with, with daily interaction with God. So I'm going to show you, I'm going to take you back in time. We're going to go all the way back to Exodus, where the, where the Israelites were, were told by God to build this thing called a tabernacle. And I'm going to show you how it pertains to your everyday life, how you become sanctified, how you can help yourself get from who you were to who you want to be. No. Who you were to who God wants you to be, right? Yeah, right? Because you, who you want to be is not who God wants you to be. He, wants you, he sees your potential. And, you know, we're flawed. We don't see our own potential. But God sees your potential. He sees what you're capable of. And he sees potential right in your circumstances right now where you are. So we can't... We need a couple of things on our journey through this tabernacle. And the first thing we need is Jesus, because it all begins with Jesus. And the second thing we need in this, in this journey is we need the Holy Spirit. Because guess what? We didn't come to Jesus until the Spirit of God drew us. That's how you ended up there. You didn't know it. You didn't see a ghost or an apparition behind you going, go to Jesus, go to Jesus. But God pulled on your heart. He pulled on your heart and he drew you and he made your heart soft enough that you realized, man, I want some of Jesus, right? So we need Jesus and we need the Holy Spirit to help us day by day, sometimes moment by moment. I don't know about you, but me, well, we won't talk about that. Let's just not talk, tell you about that right now. Um, But that is still isn't good enough. We need the love of God. And we, we need God's love so badly, and we need to receive God's love. So to go through our journey, we have to know that we are loved. We had a plan and a purpose before you were born, before you were formed in your mother's womb, before the foundations of the earth were fastened in their place. God had a plan for your life. He knew that you would be here, and because you're still alive, you have a purpose in the kingdom and somewhere you're supposed to serve. 
It does not involve you waiting around until you're perfect. Because you will be dead. Because that's what we attain all that we are that God has done for us. All that he wants to do in our life. We can't be effective in this life anymore once we're dead. Okay, so can you throw up that picture of the tabernacle for me? Great. Okay. So this is the tabernacle. Now, it was made out of the outer wall, the outer, I guess the outside black rectangle, was made of skins of animals and cloth, and they had it anchored in place and tied down. And I guess, no, it was cloth, wasn't it? Cloth, I'm sorry. Cloth. And they had it, they would set it up. I can't even imagine taking this thing down. You know how hard it is just to set up the stage? can't even imagine setting up a structure this big. And it was in the middle of the desert. And inside, only the priests were allowed. You and I could never go in there. So what did the people do while the priests were doing their priestly duties? They all stood around on the outside of it. Did they stand there going, gosh, what's taking them so long? I got somewhere to be this afternoon. <laughs> no. They were worshiping. They were so excited because God's presence was going to come, and it was going to come down. So they were singing, and the women were dancing, and there was a lot of festivities going on because they knew that God's presence was coming down, and they were worshiping him. So the first thing I want to see is if you need more of God, more of Jesus in your life, you're not going to get it without worship. That's where it starts. You've got to want to be worshiping, and not just on Sunday, because if you're coming just today for worship, let me tell you, I can't get through tomorrow without worship. Right? right? So we need to have worship, whatever it looks like for you. Will you sing? Will you dance? Will you just offer praises to him with your voice? That's up to you and God. What is he calling you to do on a daily basis? That's worship. Worshiping him. The next thing you see in there is um, the priest would go to the, the brazen altar or the, the altar, and this is where they took the animals, they slaughtered them on this, on this altar and dripped the blood around in various places. I'm not going to get into all the details because I'm going somewhere and there's a whole lot of imagery in the tabernacle that I, I don't have time to go into with you. But that's where the sacrifices were made for people's sins. And, and God used an animal, not a person, because that would have been, you know, pagan, right? That's what the pagans did. They offered their children and their, their other members of society on an altar. God took animals. Because blood had to atone for their sin. So as, as believers, this is the foot of the gospel. This is where it starts for us as believers. We have been drawn by the Holy Spirit to an altar, and that altar is the cross. It's where Jesus died and shed his blood for you and I. He paid our penalty, our price, for our sins. When we didn't have to... We don't have to kill an animal every day 
to get in his presence. And he draws us to that altar, and we receive him as our Lord and Savior. And maybe, maybe you've done that. Maybe you have to do it again and again. But you know, he only died one time, and you need to receive him one time. Some, some of us, I don't know about you, but in my life, I walked up and received him, and then the cares of this world drew me away because I didn't enter into a place where I was trying directionally through my walk of sanctification to get into the Holy of Holies, which I need, I need that every day. I didn't know about that. I didn't know that there was somewhere I should be every day with God in order to stay the course, in order to be transformed to his image. And some of us left at that we leave at that altar thinking that that's the altar that Christ died on. That's the cross right there that Christ died on for me. And I receive you, Jesus, and I'm good. And then I walked away. I'm saved now. I don't have to have a changed life. I'm saved. I'm good. I can come in and I can, I, I called it, this is what I did for three years. I pew sat. I came to church and I sat in the pew and I listened. And then I'd leave. And then I pretty much did whatever I wanted to the rest of the week. So I didn't know that there was something more I could have. Super exciting when I found it. So what has to happen at that altar is there has to be an exchange. You receive God, and that's good. Yeah, you're saved. You receive Jesus. But guess what? God wants us to sacrifice our lives, too. He said, carry your cross, right? Bear your cross. Okay, what does that look like? Last week when Pastor Alan preached, he, he told the story of sometimes when he gets before Jesus, what he does is he kind of walks out some things to help him lay things down that he's been dealing with through, through the, his hectic day and his hectic week. So he'll take out his wallet, which represents his identity and his resources, and he sets it aside. And he'll take out his um, keys, which represents the things that God has entrusted to him, and his stewardship, his authority. And he takes out his phone, which represents contacts and his influence in the world. And he takes off his belt, which represents his persona or his, his outward appearance to everyone else. Because God knows the true intent of his heart, just like he does you and I. And he'll, he takes off his glasses to represent his weaknesses, and he takes off his shoes to represent his strength before he gets in front of Jesus. So he lays down and sacrifices those things to spend time with Jesus. It's a powerful picture he painted for us last week, extremely powerful of what does it cost you? Time. How much? How much do you want to give it? Right? So in our process of change, we've got to get to a point where we're willing to give something up, give up things. So as we journey into the tabernacle, we see the bronze laver. And that's like kind of a fancy word for a big, puddle of a big barrel of water. Okay? They had this big, only it was really high dollar was anything cheap. We didn't get it at Home Depot. Got this big bronze laver, and in, in it is this water, and the priests would wash in it. They, and they were handling that sacrifice, which they had just cut up into pieces to put on the grill, 
oh, excuse me, the altar. And they had blood on them. And so they had to wash that off. Think of the connotation of blood in our day and age where you have somebody's blood on your hands, you're responsible for their death. They were responsible for the death of those animals. And how this looks to us, that labor, that's where we get clean. And how do we get clean? By confessing our sins to God and repenting. Not just confessing and then going back out tomorrow night and doing the same thing. It's confessing and turning away from those things that we know God is calling us to do. I know you know because I know the thing that I keep doing is the, thing, the very thing that God told me to stop doing. Is anyone in here? Maybe I'm alone. <laughs> the very thing he told me to stop doing is the very thing that I keep wanting to do. What? Sin is enticing. Whatever sin looks like for you. Sometimes, you know, it does look different to different people, right? So that place is where we receive cleansing. But if we stop short, if we never receive the forgiveness at that place, part of our cleansing means that we have to receive the forgiveness of God. And it's also the place where we deliver our forgiveness for others. Because, you know, sometimes people can be mean. Well, maybe they're just mean to me. And I need to forgive them. And that's where we do that. We confess our sin, and we repent, and we turn away from those things, and we receive God's forgiveness for us, and then we extend that to the people in our lives that have hurt us, whether they meant it or not. And we let go of that pain and that hurt right there. It has to be on a daily basis, because you know if it takes root, it turns into a bitterness that permeates every other part of your life. Every other part of your life. So the next place is that inside there, there's that additional rectangle, the holy place. And I want you to get a picture of what this looked like. That's where the animal skins are covering. It's, they're thick. You can't see through them. Anybody have blackout material on their windows, blinds, back in the 50s or the 60s, I guess 40s, they started putting foil on their windows to not let the light in, right? They did that so that the enemy flying around out here couldn't see where the cities were. I have blackout blinds in our, our bedroom because I want to sleep in total darkness. That room is total darkness. The holy place is total darkness. Total darkness. There's only one thing casting light in that room, and it's a seven-branched lampstand. Okay, we didn't have candles back then. They used oil and flame, and it illuminated that entire place. That's the only light in there. So you're in, they're in this room, this, this room. I don't even want to imagine being alone in there without anything lit. I mean, there's animal skins draping it. I have cows, but I don't eat Maya cows. So 
And that seven-branch lampstand, for us, for believers, is the light of Christ. He said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. He said this so many places, but he said, I, in John, he said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The light of life. I want that. But if I had turned at the altar, I would have never made it to the lampstand. If I didn't receive the forgiveness that he had for me, I would never step into the Holy of Holies. And now I'm standing in the light. I'm standing in the light of Jesus. And, and he, he, he also told me, tells us in Matthew that we are the light of the world. That a city hidden on the hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. People look at your life and they want to see you reflecting Jesus. They want to see the reflection of the Savior in your kindness, in your love. As you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, right? We get saved by the blood and then we work out our salvation. The process of sanctification is a walk of working out our perfection in this life until we get where? To the other, the narrow gate, and we're what? We're dead. <laughs> we're dead, right? We work it out until we are dead to this life and made alive again. So we need Jesus' light in our life, and we need to be that reflection, and we get that with the Holy Spirit's help, the love of God, and Jesus. It takes all of it. And it takes your cooperation, right? So the next other piece of furniture in this room is the table of showbread. And on this table are 12 loaves of bread. And for believers, in, let me back up for a second, those are the tribes of Israel. Each bread signified a tribe, each loaf. Was, a, was significant of um, a tribe. There were 12 tribes. For believers, that bread is what Jesus told us. I am the bread of life. Whoever partakes of me will not die and will not hunger. I want a part of that. I want a part of that. And uh, Pam Davis spoke here f a few weeks ago in the evening, and I don't know if any of you, if you weren't here, you need to pick up the, the CD, not the tape, the CD, oh boy, tapes, eight tracks. <laughs> anyway, um, you need to pick up the CD, and I mean, it's a powerful message about the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. Right in here is everything we need. This is the word that he feeds us, right? And she spoke a powerful message on receiving a word and digesting it by chewing on it and what it's like to look into God's eyes while you're doing it. It represents our communion with God. That showbread table is our communion with Jesus. We have to have that intimate knowledge of who he is if we're going to be an accurate reflection of him, right? Because we don't want anyone going out there and sticking a fish on the car on their car and thinking that they can cut everybody off. Wait, where did that come from? 
Okay, so the next place we come to is the altar of incense. And that was filled with um, this great smell. Remember, we've just slaughtered animals. There's blood everywhere in the front, outside the, this area, before the priests come in, get washed, and then come into the holy area, the holy place. And there's this great smell. And it's a, it's a formula that God came up with and said, look, you guys can use this here but nowhere else. So nowhere in the camp was this smell smelt. They could only smell this in the holy place. And they could only smell it if they were a priest because nobody outside was allowed in. You and I couldn't have gone in there. Only the priests. And that altar of incense is where the priest made atonement for sin on its horns with the blood. So he'd take some of the blood from the animals and bring it with him in there, and he'd put it on the horns of, the, of this altar of incense, so the piece of furniture had these horns sticking out, and he'd, he'd dab them with blood. That's where he made atonement for himself and for the people. He better make sure he's clean, because he's getting ready to go into the holy of holies, right? For us, Revelation 5 and 8 says that our prayers and our petitions to God are a sweet-smelling aroma to him. In fact, angels are carrying them in bowls in Revelation. Bowls of incense, they're our prayers. Isn't that a cool visual to see? Okay, maybe nobody's praying hard enough. I know Deborah is. <laughs> and... Jesus is our intercessor. He's before God, interceding before we go face to face with God. Is that right? So this altar of incense, Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost, not just a little bit, to the uttermost, those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. We are not alone. We, had an, we have an advocate in heaven that's standing in front of the Father going, this one's mine. I'm his. You're his. You're his. You're all his if you've given your life to the Lord. The next place we come to is the veil. So to get into that holy of holies, we have to get through that veil. Okay, and that veil is real thick and heavy. But remember, when Jesus was crucified, the veil was torn. His body was torn to give us access into the holy of holies. So where only the high priest could have gone in the past, what happened was we got access. Aren't you excited? that on our journey of sanctification, we can go here every single day. Yeah. Only the high, you know, sometimes when you get to do something every day, it's like same old, same old. It's never the same old with God. Oh, it's never the same old thing. Everything, every day brings a new experience. So we're going to get ready to go into the Holy of Holies. When the priest went in, they tied a rope around his waist in case he wasn't holy enough when he went in. 
and he died, because that's what happens in there if you weren't holy enough when you went in. You hadn't cleaned yourself well enough, both mentally, physically, and spiritually, your body, so they could pull him out again. So they tug on the rope. If there was no tug back, they'd pull out the high priest. We've got to get another one. Aren't you glad that Jesus made you holy? God said, be holy for I am holy. Well, you know, the, the Israelites, can you imagine the struggle that they had to do it under their own power? We have the Holy Spirit and Jesus, right? The Holy Spirit and Jesus make us holy. Make us boldly come into the throne room of grace. So we walk into that room, and what do we see? We see this piece of furniture, and in it, inside of it, there are three items. There's the Ten Commandments written on stone, the law. There is the, a jar of manna, which sustained them. It was food that they ate while they wandered around in the desert because they wanted to remember that God provided for them. And there is a Aaron's rod, which budded. So here was this stick that actually got, came to life without any root, without any water, just budded, representing life from death. Aren't you glad we don't have to look at tablets of stone to hear, to hear from God? to know what God wants from us, because he writes our law, his law on our hearts of flesh. That's what he said. He, I will write my law on your heart of flesh. So we don't have to look at a tablet of stone. We know what God wants from us because the Holy Spirit draws us and helps transform us, helps change us. So the jar of manna represented their substance. But for us, the meaning is God's provision, that he has provided, he provided a way for us to get in there to begin with through Jesus Christ and the blood that was atoned for our sins, right? It's the food of the gospel. We talked about it the very first place at the brazen altar outside the, the holy place. And if we're bold enough to lay our sacrifice there and continue on the journey in there and make it all the way to the Holy of Holies, we know that through that process of sanctification that sometimes God's provision for us doesn't look like what we want. The Israelites didn't want that manna. They had it for a while. It was like, great, oh yeah, I like it. And not really anymore. Can you give us some meat? We're hungry for other stuff. It's boring eating the same thing over and over. And, you know, sometimes what you want from God is not what he's going to give you. He's not going to take your laundry list or your shopping list and answer those things the way you want them. Don't leave your list and forget to lay yourself. Don't leave your list and forget to lay yourself. What God does in your life is going to look different 
than what you expected and how he's going to accomplish it. But just know that he's working through you. Because we serve a God who loves us. He loved us before the foundations of the world were laid in place. And he loved you because he had your name written on his hand before you were ever born. Aaron's rod is a symbol of Christ's resurrection, life from dead. That's easy for us to see, but do you know it's also us because we were dead in our trespasses and now we're alive in him. That rod is a symbol of us. And, and we can receive what God has from us and then we can walk away at that altar and just take him and leave. Or we can go to the cleansing and receive forgiveness and turn and leave. But if we don't get into the Holy of Holies, we aren't going to be able to be an accurate reflection of God because in that Holy of Holies is the mercy seat. It covers, it covers the ark. It's over the top of where those three items are contained. And that mercy seat, that's where God's grace and mercy are poured out on us. It's where we can understand who he wants us to be and who he is. We get there by understanding who he is. He is a merciful God. He made a provision for us, and he didn't have to. He could have said, you know, the Israelites are my people. I'm just going to keep them, and the rest of you can all go to where? No. He said, I'm going to make a way for all people. He loves us. And so on our process of sanctification, to get through that gate, to get through there, walk through the tabernacle on a daily basis so that you can be changed into his image. Because ultimately, ultimately, that's what he wants from us, is less of us and more of him. And it's something we have to do daily. We have to keep our side, eyes on ourselves. If you find yourself, because you know every once in a while we get kind of jealous of what somebody else has, right? Wow, God used them like that. He didn't use me like that. I can't sing. I can't play the piano the way Miss Amy can. You know, but he has other things he wants for me. And if I would stay on that walk through the tabernacle, I'd find out what they were. Right? But if I take my eyes off of where I'm headed and put them on other people, I'm going to end up trying to make, be a replica of a bunch of different people, imitating them instead of reflecting the attributes of God. So we can stop this process. Can we stop once we're saved? We can walk away. We can really desire and ask God to place in our hearts the love for him that draws us further and deeper into the Holy of Holies. Now, how long does this take? Well, it depends. If you practice this a lot, you can get through it pretty quick and get into God's presence. In fact, you can get to a point to where God's presence you always know he's standing next to you. But you're not going to get there just by saying, hey, God, i got to be to work in 10 minutes, so listen, I'm, I don't have time for worship. I don't have time for washing. You know, just forgive me. You know the stuff I did. <laughs> Jesus, I need some light. You know, oh, yeah, bread. Yeah, here. What do you want me to read today, God? Oh, Second Peter, that's where I fell open to. Oh, the light that shines in a dark place. Hmm, the day dawns, the morning star rises. 
Okay, thanks, Lord. No, that's not how we get changed. We have to have a relationship. So our process of sanctification is relationable with God. You know, none of this can be done without the Holy Spirit. And it can't be done without Jesus. We want to be, I want to be a new creation. Am I alone? I know that I've got a lot of faults and shortcomings and imperfections, things that don't measure up to somebody else's standard. I want to be a new creation. I want to see what God sees in me. I want to see my potential. And I want you to see your potential right where you are right now. Right now, right where you are. Our job on this earth is not to just live and acquire things and move on to the next life. Our job is to expand the kingdom on earth. Well, how are we going to do that if nobody wants to participate? in the expansion project. No, this is not a church building expansion message. It's a heart expanding message for you. A heart expanding message that you, the love of God would so pour through you that your service, your service to the kingdom of God here on this earth causes the kingdom to expand. Wow, what a concept that God put it in our hands. We can't do it without becoming a reflection of him and on our walk there. And we can't draw other people without his love. Greg Pete preached a message on um, a few weeks back on uh, who do you love, on the love of God and having your love for other people. And you can't do that without having God's love flow through you. And you can't do that unless you've been in the Holy of Holies. Well, Daryl Davis, was that his name? Daryl Davis. Here was a black man who felt like God was telling him to go make friends with the Ku Klux Klan leadership. How do you do that? How does he do that without the love of God flowing through him? He loved his life not. Any moment he could have died. But he trusted in the love of God to be the, the unit that transformed these leaders of the Ku Klux Klan into lovers of God and him. And he was very successful at it because God was doing it through him. You know, so the Holy Spirit is what gives us our power. It says, listen, I'm going to heaven. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to heaven. And i got to leave. And it's expedient for me to leave because when I leave, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to leave you, I'm going to send the comforter, comforter to you. The comforter is the one who is, some versions call, it, call him the helper. But it's how we get through this walk of sanctification, how we get through it day by day, is we have to have help. We cannot do this in our own strength because it is not attainable and sustainable in our own strength. Just not. We have to have all these parts coming together, and we have to be the ones that cooperate. 
Because you can turn around when you get to the altar and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can turn around and walk away and be done with it. Or you can live a changed life. I want a changed life. Because we know from the scripture that there is a revival coming. That people's hearts will be once again stirred for him. And we know that there is a harvest coming. And he needs workers. I see a whole room full of workers here for the harvest. God can use you in that harvest exactly where you are. And he can use me. I am so excited. Who wants to be part of that? Okay, so what is the Holy Spirit? He comforts and he helps us. He helps us with daily living. But what else? He brings us power. He told him, go up in the room and wait until something happens. No, he said, wait until the Holy Spirit comes and gives you power. What is the power for? Daily living? Yeah? Because we need that. Walk through this, this tabernacle to get to the Holy of Holies? Yeah? But where is the, what else does the power look like? The Holy Spirit works in mighty power. There were healings. There were deliverances. There were miracles and signs and wonders. There were people speaking in tongues and other people interpreting them, things they'd never heard before. There was people prophesying and encouraging each other. Those things are part of what the Holy Spirit does. And, you know, sometimes I think we got used to everything being so programmed that we left behind the power of the Holy Spirit to transform not just us, but those around us. We need the Holy Spirit to show up in our hearts. And he's not going to do it if all we do is ask on Sunday morning, go, God, we're going to church. You know, can you show up? We have to live that in our life every day. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill us to overflowing, that we would have workings of uh, miracles in our lives that would, that would encourage each other. Don't, don't you know we all need encouragement? Okay, I need a lot of encouragement. So we need to encourage each other. How do we do that? You know, sometimes when you think God isn't hearing your prayer, but you see somebody, I know Miss Yvette has experienced this, you see somebody whose leg just grew. Wow. How can you not know and be encouraged by that? So we need to see those workings of signs and wonders in, in ourselves, but it takes us wanting to walk through that sanctification so the Holy Spirit can use us to reach, other, to reach each other and also to reach other people. How does he reach other people? The same way. Unbelievers come to know him through signs and wonders. You know, I think that's why there's a lot of conversions in, in third world countries, because they can't call the doctor or the attorney or the bank for a loan. They have to rely on what they get. They can't go to the grocery store. They have to rely on what they get from God. And so miracles happen all the time there. I want to be a part of that. I want God to use me that way. I want to be able to extend. I want to be in Walmart and talking to somebody and the power of God come and their life has changed. I want that for me. Do you guys want that for you? Yeah. Amen. So, you know, what I'm going, to, I'm going to conclude with this. We are all new creations and we are in process. We are in process. And I want, I want what God has for me. I want to be that reflection of his power, of his love, of his Holy Spirit, and of his son who's a giving and caring and sacrificial God. I want that for me. So let me pray over you and as worship team comes forward. Lord, I just thank you 
for today. I thank you, Lord, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. No heart is too hard for you to fix, for you to write our heart, your, your word on it. Father, I pray over each person in this place that you would show them where they stopped on their journey through the tabernacle. You would show them where they had stopped to lay down who they were and pick up your cross to go on, Father. I ask that you would show your son mighty, through, mighty and powerful on what he did on the cross and show us that power in our lives through the Holy Spirit, that we would have life from death and that we would believe it and live it and that our lives would be an accurate reflection of who you are, Father, as we, we move towards that narrow gate and to that place where we are finally in your presence eternally, Lord. And until then, Lord, help us to find, make the time. You're never going to have the time. You're going to make the time. Help us to make the time to get in your presence every day and to go into that holy of holies where we can commune with you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you feel like you want more of God, I know I do, during this time of worship, if you feel like you stop somewhere on your journey, into that holy of holies and you got stuck there and and you want to you want to get unstuck you want to move forward would you just do something that's kind of uncomfortable maybe sacrifice would you during worship as God leads you just move move out of your seat and move forward continue to worship him but do it just as a as a God, I'm drawing near to you. I want to get all the way through the whole, into the Holy of Holies. I want that as part of my life every day. Begin to, as we're in worship, when you're comfortable, and if you're not, it's okay. I don't want anyone to feel pressure. Walk forward. If you have a need, if you need healing, if you need restoration, if you need families being brought back together, if you have financial needs, trust God. Come and give it to him. Ask him to unstick you and show you his power in your life. Thank you, Lord.